You're listening to a message that was recorded live at Roots Community Church in Costa Mesa, California. Roots exists to celebrate the glory of God through lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about our community, visit us at rootschurch.net. Well, I invite you to remain standing for the reading of God's word. Our text this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 22. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whomever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the, of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet, who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, If the word does not come to pass or comes true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Church, this is God's holy word. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Um, Good morning. Morning. It's good to be here again um, to get to worship with you, but also to share God's word with us. Um, and um, as they said, I share the same joy to be partnering with you guys in, in the gospel uh, through prayers and um, many other things. So I'm, I'm grateful for you. Um, thank you for praying with me. Uh, thank you for supporting me. Um, in many ways, you've contributed to the work that God is doing in my life, uh, both personally, uh, but also in, in ministry. So it's a joy to be here. Um, so getting into our message today, um, I'd love to begin with a movie that some of you may know. Um, the movie is titled August Rush. Okay, um, I won't go into it all, but the movie begins with the boy saying, um, the music is all around us. All you have to do is open yourself up. All you have to do is listen. 
And then he adds, sometimes the world tries to knock it out of you. But I believe in music just as some other people believe in fairy tales. Well, I, I don't know uh, what are some of the things that you heard this week. Um, I don't know what you've been listening to or who you've been listening to. In your joys, in your sorrows, I don't know what you've been running to. What about when you are told that there's no hope for you? What about when you hear that your loved one will only have a few days to live? What do you go to? Which music do you listen to? Well, as we continue with um, our series, Christ the Center, um, we are given a prophet to whom we are supposed to listen to. We just heard the word today. And as we'll continue, you'll see that he sings a better music than any that we've heard. No offense, Chris, you have a great voice. <laughs> and um, I admire your playing. And I would like to say that when you come in the presence of someone who can play well and sing well, even if you can sing, all you do is stop and just listen. And so we come into the presence of the one who, uh, when he speaks, his voice is that great music that you hear and stop and stop singing. Just listen and then go out with joy and saying, I've heard the voice that I needed to hear. Yeah. So this is what we'll be going through today. Uh, we'll focus on Christ, the prophet, whom all the prophets of the Old Testament looked forward to and who all the New Testament believers looked backward too. And so that's actually the reason he is the center mm -hmm. of divine revelation. Like everything we see is centering around Jesus. So again, the desire is that it won't be just in my head, but also in my heart. And therefore spill on my lips and then my hands can now act accordingly. So that's my prayer for you and for myself as we hear this word. Uh, it doesn't hurt to pray many times, so I'm going to pray again mm -hmm. as we uh, go before the Lord uh, to hear His voice again. Father, we thank You for revealing Yourself to us in Your Word. As we come to Your Word, please speak to us. Yes. Take Your Word, plant it deep in us, renew our minds, help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Lord, teach us full obedience, holy reverence, and true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes today. By the power of your Spirit, cause our faith to rise and cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Let the truth of your unfailing love prevail over all our unbelief. We pray that we would see Jesus clearly today. And we pray also that our hearts would love him wholeheartedly. We pray all this trusting in the great prophet 
Jesus Christ our Messiah. Amen. Amen. Now, Deuteronomy, which we just read, is a book that... Okay, I'll repeat that. <laughs> Deuteronomy, which we just heard read to us by our brother Alec, is a book that is written at a time when uh, the children of Israel have just come from Egypt and they are in the wilderness. So they are looking forward to entering the city that God had prepared for them, the promised land. The people of God are about to go into that place which they have been looking forward to for 40 years. Moses is about to die. So he takes time to retell the events of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And in Deuteronomy, which means second law, Moses wants the new generation of Israelites to remember God's faithfulness in rescuing them from Egypt. This is because it is God's faithfulness that actually leads us to renewed obedience without remembering who he is, we can't obey as we should. So he's reminding them of that. Uh, one thing that Moses does beautifully is to warn them against the practices of the children uh, of the Canaanite land. Um, one of the things that we just read is that they would practice child sacrifice, necromancy, which is basically inquiring of the dead, sorcery, and this was a way of trying to interpret events. Like we've heard news all around us. And the, the, the question is, what does this mean? What impact will this have on the future? So what they are trying to do is, the Canaanites, I mean, they're trying to basically inquire into things that they're not supposed to know. And this is where Moses is saying, well, you are not supposed to be that way. Because whoever does these things is an abomination before the Lord. And we see also that the reason the Canaanites were actually driven out was because of this practice. And so were Israel to do the same thing, they would also be driven out. Like later in history, we see that that happens. And I'm not referring to the current Israel. I'm referring to ancient Israel. And so in this case, Moses wants God's people to remember that when they need help or answers, they should seek them from the Lord, from um, the prophet who God sends to them. So the point here is people must trust the Lord and the prophet whom God sends. So in order for God to help his people stay devoted to him and his eternal word in that promised land, God promises a prophet like Moses. And yet as we will see, he is greater than Moses. He understands that his people are weak and that they won't be able to keep up with what he requires of them. And so he provides what he requires. 
So the question is then, I know you already know the answer, but the question we want to ask for the sake of this text that we have in front of us is, who is this prophet like Moses and yet greater than Moses? We've already seen why he's needed. It's because God's people are to be holy, right? And yet they cannot be holy unless they are reminded of God's word by the prophet whom God will raise. So keep that question in mind because I don't have three points. I only have that one question. Who is this prophet like Moses and yet greater than Moses? So, again, who is a prophet? You've heard the definition, right? The prophet, oh, he tells about the future, right? But basically, let me remind us again, um, a prophet is a man called and appointed by God who declares the word that comes to him directly from God. And it concerns both the present and the future. So it was always that way. And as he declares God's will to God's people, the prophet is to call God's people to obedience and repentance. So the, not only were the people in need of this, but also the kings. We see later in the history of Israel that the king was supposed to study the law and know it. And if he forgot, the role of a prophet was to go before the king and tell him, well, you've forgotten what God requires of you. And so that is the role of a prophet, to keep God's people and their leaders on their toes, to remind them you are to follow what God requires of you. So now, verse 15, I'll begin with verse 15 for the, the sake of our, our message today. And here the Lord um, says through Moses, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. And he says, it is to him you shall listen. Now, if you've met a Muslim or someone from a Muslim background, he'll tell you this prophet is not from Israel. And he'll tell you that the reason is that it's not specific. But I'm going to say the obvious here. In the text, Moses is clearly speaking to the children of Israel. Uh, and I want you to notice how many times he repeats you, and he says it in singular, um, while addressing the whole group. He says, the Lord God will raise up for you, singular, which you don't see in English, um, a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. So uh, one friend from a Muslim background was like, hey, see brothers, it's not Israelites. It was like, brothers here could be anyone who was around the nation of Israel. But I told him, well, the context, the whole context of the book is about the Israelites. So I want us to keep that in mind. So he's speaking to the Israelites very clearly. And this is the same. Moses, who led God's people from Egypt, 
who um, proclaimed God's law at Sinai. So he's a prophet in that regard. He's also a king in leading God's people. And who at the same time stood between God and his people when they were scared, as we'll see in verse 6. So the phrase like a prophet like me in verse 5, if you remember, it's a simile, right? Um, that figure of speech involving the comparison of one thing with another thing of a different kind, right? So if I said, for instance, that Judah looks like Pastor Dylan, one thing I'm not saying is that they are identical in every regard. I acknowledge that they are similar and yet different at the same time. So this prophet who's going to be like Moses, even Moses acknowledges that he is going to be different from him. And that's why at the end he's like, listen to him. He is saying, I entrust the future of Israel in the word that he's going to say. So what does this mean? It's because if this prophet was to come from other nations, he would already be polluted by those abominable practices that were in the Canaanite land. And so God is saying, I've chosen you as my people, Israel, and it's only from you that this prophet has to come. So he has to be a prophet for Israel, but also from Israel. Moses is making it clear that we cannot call him something else. He is a prophet and he's greater and we must listen to him. As we'll see later, if you neglect his voice, there are consequences. God will hold us responsible whether we listen to him or not. Now in verse 16, through 18, we see that Moses recounts the event that had happened before. And he says, just as you desired of the Lord, your God at Horeb, on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So verse 16 has one element about Moses that we need to take um, seriously. This prophet, yes, will speak the word of God. But at the same time, since he's going to be like Moses, right? He is also going to be a mediator, yes. an intermediary between the all-consuming fire God and his people. He's coming to be a shield, as it were, between God and his people. Because if they were to approach him in the way they were, they would be consumed, given uh, how sinful they were. He's going to speak the word that God puts in his mouth. He won't say anything that is presumptuous as we saw in um, verse 20 to 22. He's going to speak 
only that which God puts in his mouth. So Moses continues and shows that we are to stake our entire life on what he says. Because it's that important. He says, listen to him. And listen here actually takes us back to Deuteronomy 6. Uh, what is known as the Shema, right? Listen. And listen here is not just hearing and let uh, the voice kind of go from the right ear to the left ear. It's listening intently. It's not casual listening. It's listening on which life and death depends. It's like when the doctor tells you, take your pills. If you don't, my friend, you are dead. So that's the kind of listening that Moses is communicating to us here. He wants us to take seriously what this prophet is saying. Verse 9, 19, sorry, it says, And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Do you want to deal with the Lord? <laughs> so Moses is telling the Israelites please don't don't wait until you have to deal with the Lord as a judge because yeah. he is sending you a prophet so that you may hear what he wants you to know and take it seriously now the question is why of all the passages in scripture would we go back to Deuteronomy to talk about Christmas so why is this text important for us as we want to celebrate um, Christmas? Well, it's important because the Messiah we celebrate in the season is the prophet like Moses. Moses, as we saw, was not just a prophet. He was many other things. He was prophet, priest, and king. And after him came other prophets. You say Samuel, you may say uh, David, Nathan, Elijah, and Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, Micah, and many more. But no one ever exemplified all those qualities at once. They were all mouthpieces who would say, thus says the Lord. And each of them knew he was not a prophet like Moses. Mm -hmm. Clearly. In fact, they all revered Moses. They would say, Moses, he gave us the law. They would refer back to the law of Moses many times. For instance, Isaiah prophesies that this prophet will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9. In Isaiah 7, he says... This prophet, whom he calls the Messiah, will be called Emmanuel, God with us. In, in other words, he's going to be the one whose words and work are very well understood together. There's no contradiction between what he says and what he does. He speaks and fulfills what he says. And this was fulfilled. 700 years later, after Isaiah had prophesied in the birth of Jesus, as we read in the Gospels. So Deuteronomy 
We see it repeated. This saying that, listen to him, as we read the Gospels, we see it repeated many times. Like, when Jesus is being baptized, we hear that. But more clearly, again, we see it at the transfiguration. In um, Mark 9, 2 to 8, we read, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. It was transfigured before them. And he tells us what that looked like. He doesn't just tell us, oh, this, I'll tell you the story. But he's like, this is how it looks like. His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And then here the next thing. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one of you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Why? For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. So actually, the couple of weeks that we were um, at the retreat, I felt like we should should have just stayed there. (laughs) But there was something greater here, which is basically washing. So Peter, what's happening to him is like, no, we've got to stay here. It's really glorious. He saw something that he couldn't describe. But what's happening is that God here is glorifying Jesus Christ in ways that are amazing to Peter, James, and John. And so one other thing that we we remark in this narrative is that as Peter begins to put Moses and Elijah on par with Jesus, putting him on the same level, With Jesus, God the Father himself reminds him, look, there's nothing to compare between Elijah and Moses and our Lord, Jesus Christ. And then he says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So this means that although Moses and Elijah were greatly regarded in Israel, they cannot be compared to Jesus. And that's the reason God orchestrates everything in such a way that at the end of the experience, nobody else is there. Mm -hmm. Only Jesus is standing. Mm -hmm. Now, Moses and Elijah are the representative of all the Old Testament prophets. And everybody knew it. There was no other prophets like Elijah and Moses. And so by this, if you've heard the song, Jesus The true and better Adam, Mm -hmm. Moses, all that. You know that this is basically the same thing. It's saying Jesus is greater than Moses and Elijah and any other prophet that they would represent. So, when we read the Old Testament, every other prophet talked about the coming of this Messiah, 
and his death and his resurrection. And you remember the marks that we are given in Deuteronomy 18 about a true prophet. We are told that if a prophet says something and it doesn't come to pass, he's a false prophet. And if someone says something presumptuously, he's a false prophet. And if he says in the name of other gods, he is a false prophet. But all these prophets spoke and came to pass. One thing that Jesus does in a specific way is that he speaks about his own death and resurrection on the third day. And it exactly comes to pass. So he passes the test that we are given in Deuteronomy 18. And he does not just talk about it because he's greater than Moses. Jesus speaks about his own death and then he ends up dying. And then on the third day, he rises from the dead. Now here, what he says in um, John 2, 18 to 22. So the Jews say to him, that's Jesus, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, actually happened, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. If you're thinking that the first century believers were actually dumb, uh, the they easily believed things like this. But I, I would warn you that they were just like us. No one in his right mind would believe that someone would die and rise from the dead. Because we know once you die, you are dead. You're not mostly dead. You are dead. And you can't come back to life. So everybody knew that. So for Jesus to say that, it required faith that... No natural man had then, just as we don't today, mm -hmm. unless there's intervention. So we see that many people that time struggled with it, including his disciples. You may remember Thomas. What does he say? I will not believe unless I see him and touch his side, his fingers, and see the scars on his body. However, after Christ rose from the dead, what do we see Thomas do? He could not call him rabbi like Peter had done. He says, my Lord yes. and my God. Yes. Mm. What does that mean? It means that Jesus, of all things, he cannot just be a teacher mm -hmm. or a mere prophet like the Old Testament prophets. He's got to be the God man that we just sang of. He's got to be something greater than just a mere prophet. So that's why we say, yes, he is the prophet like Moses, but greater than him. Because he embodies divinity and humanity in himself.
what C.S. Lewis says about this as he reflects on his own life writing in, in mere Christianity. He says, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. And I added, or a mere prophet. He would either be a lunatic or the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher or a mere prophet. He has not left that open to us. Mm -hmm. And he did not intend to. So the question is, will we listen to his voice Mm -hmm. or will we just make up our own minds to believe whatever we want to believe? Will we hear the different songs around us and just take that and think that that's what Jesus is saying? And friends, the answer is no. The resurrection proves that Jesus is truly God and the ultimate prophet that Moses prophesied about. If he did not rise from the dead on the third day, it would have been easy to prove that the resurrection was just a farce. Because all they would have to do is go get his body in the tomb and expose it in the city and then say, that was a liar. But that never happened because the tomb was what? Empty. It was empty. This again is another proof that he was the author of life. So if you raised Lazarus from the dead, he could raise himself up from the dead. He is the author of life. Now, before we get too excited, we notice that his enemies could not take that. His enemies rejected his identity even after the resurrection. To go back to the example that August Rush gives us, the music about his resurrection was all around. Everybody could hear it. It was very obvious and undeniable. Yet, people still rejected it. And the question is, why would people reject a perfect prophet like Jesus even after all his claims had been confirmed by his resurrection? question that I need to ask myself, question that you need to ask yourself right now. And I do not know where you are at or the people you are talking to as they are trying to process what their faith means. But the scripture is actually clear about this. The reason we can't hear is that we are actually dead mm-hmm. in our trespasses and sins. And what that means is we are sp- dead to spiritual things. We cannot hear the voice of God. However beautiful it is, it's beautiful music, but we can't take it in because our ears are dulled by the many things taking place around us. 
It's a spiritual warfare. Satan does not want you and I to focus on him, to hear his voice. He wants us to be distracted by all the news all around us. But friends, this same prophet is the only one who is able and willing to resurrect you from the dead. We do not need a mere motivational speech to awaken us to spiritual reality. We need a resurrection. We need new heads, new hearts, so that we may go out and sing of his joy. Even gets better. Peter actually takes the entire narrative and then applies it to Jesus. So I want you to go out with this. He says, What God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Then he says, in response to that, he says, Therefore repent and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus Christ. Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And then he comes to Moses. He says, Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me. From your brothers. You shall listen to him. In whatever he tells you. And it shall be. That every soul. Who does not listen to that prophet. Shall be destroyed. From people. And all the prophets. Who have spoken. From Samuel. And those who came after him. Also proclaimed these days. So what is Peter doing? He's saying look. Yes you feel guilty about this. You feel guilty about the fact that you've neglected the Messiah whom God sent for you. But it's the same guy you're trying to reject whom you need. And so the solution again is not self-pity, self-absorption, legalism, antinomianism. It's not neglecting the law of God or trying to Gain some merit for your, for your own. It's embracing Christ by faith and repenting of all those things. It might be that you even don't know what this means. It might be that you are a believer and you've been struggling to understand what this means. And the solution is just one. You need the Messiah. You need this prophet to speak to you. You need to hear his beautiful voice mm-hmm. singing. Yeah. And you know what Zephaniah 3, 17 mm-hmm. tells us? Mm-hmm. That he will exalt over you with singing. Mm-hmm. The question is, are you willing to open up yourself and hear the music all around you? Mm-hmm. Or will you listen to prosperity preachers telling you the sort of things that you want to hear? It's a challenge to us. And this might mean that it's just taking baby steps 
It might mean just coming here. We heard that during the week as we're praying with brothers and um, at the retreat. Obedience doesn't require that you do big events. It might just mean you coming here and showing up and hearing the word of God proclaimed. Hear the words sung in a song. And friends, I can assure you, when you hear that voice, you, you don't want to hear your own voice or somebody else's voice. That's right. Even if you hear it, you hear it because you believe it's in agreement with that great voice that has spoken. So in a sense, this is what it means for Jesus to be the center of our life. It means that we now believe in Christianity, not because we believe that the Son has reason, but because through Christianity, we see everything. So Christ becomes the lens through which we see everything. And we've, we've been told last week in Hebrews 1 that God has spoken his final word through Jesus. And all that means that as we go out this week, we'll hear many things, very discouraging things. We will hear the sorts of news that are very um, devastating, we'll be terrified. But my prayer for you and for me is that we would hear him singing over us and that I and you will avail ourselves to hearing that beautiful music that's all around us, but especially in his word. Yes. Amen. Shall we pray? Amen. Dear God, we confess that we often miss your voice even when through your spirit and your word you've spoken clearly. So we pray that as we go out this week we would hear your beloved son. That we would hear him singing over us. That we would hear him rejoicing over us. Before that please help us acknowledge our desperation and help us meet the fact that you delight in us. Help us listen carefully, obey and love our Lord. We pray that our duties will be delights, not burdens. We pray that in our families, your word will be at the center of everything we do. We pray that Christ will be at the center of it all. Emmanuel, please heal us and be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.